All right, another episode of Valley's podcast. Today I'm joined by Mike again. I'm so, back. Yeah, so it's, it's good to have you all here. Today we're going to be talking about evangelism and about the nine marks of, of a healthy church. But before we do that, Mike, how are you doing? It's been a few weeks since we've been able to sit together. It has been a few weeks. I'm, I'm actually really good right now. We are, uh, we're kind of in the, the we've <laughs> tripping over our words, but we, we have finished up our house up north. Our That's house right. in Federway is for sale. Hopefully our next podcast, it will have sold. And uh, we were traveling up there back and forth so many times. And yeah, it's, yeah, you guys it's were. nice to be done with that and yeah. not have to travel up there. I think I'm going to drive up there next week to mow the lawn. It was like a month you were traveling like every week, right? To, and sometimes twice well, a week. Yeah. And it was, yeah, it was a lot of work. It is beautiful right now. It okay. is painted inside and out. Back deck is, is beautiful. Driveway, yard, everything is, it's honestly, we feel really happy yeah. for whoever buys it, feeling like we, we set them up for a really nice place. So right now, if there's anybody listening from the federal way area, King County, yeah, yeah. King County, you know, you, you might want to check out, is it on Zillow? It's Red on Zillow. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Check it out. Maybe, maybe there's a house you want to buy and that's, that's the house you want to buy. Well, you know what? Maybe we'll put a link to the description <laughs> for the house. If you're just looking to buy a house in federal way, Mike, I want to help you sell your house, man. You do not get a commission. <laughs> oh, <dang it>. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's cool, man. A lot of good things are happening around Valley as How well. How are you doing? Oh, dude, I'm, I'm, I'm exhausted, but I'm also like a fulfilled exhausted. You are very sweaty over there. I am. I, I literally just finished working out. Uh, my butt hurts right now from all the lunges I did and my chest hurts from pushups. Dude, on Monday, I did 120 pushups and some clean and jerks. My chest isn't sore. It's my triceps. My triceps are okay. just tender at the touch yeah, yeah. right now. So, but I'm sure people listening don't want to hear about that. Maybe they do. Come work out with me. But uh, overall, dude, I'm, I'm feeling good. There are, are good things happening right now. Uh, in my family right now, we were kind of seeing a resurgence of uh, trusting in the Lord and seeing a, a lot of spiritual growth. And I'm so excited to see that. You know, sometimes... Uh, and this is a side thing, but sometimes I think we look at challenges and we get discouraged when we are challenged. But the truth is challenges are all opportunities to grow and to experience the Lord. And uh, I know that's been, that's been a thing for me. And I see that playing out in my family and I'm just praising God that as we navigate through it, as we continue to seek the Lord, um, people are growing through it. We don't want challenges, man. We want Christian life to be easy and self-absorbed and just doing our own thing. Right. Yeah. That's what we want. But you know, it's interesting. We, we just, so we just, this week I launched my life group for the fall. Yeah. And on Tuesday we were reading Elijah, the story of Elijah and the widow, you know, when Elijah tells Ahab, Hey, there's going to be a drought. Then, uh, Ravens bring Elijah food and Mm -hmm. all this stuff. And in that story, there's that widow and the son who start to, they experience miracles. They experience the goodness of God through a miracle of the, the bread and, or the, uh, the, the, the oil and the, the wheat to make bread. Uh, this is first Kings chapter 17. I think if you want to read up on that. Um, but it's interesting that they experience the goodness of God. And then a couple like time goes by and then the son dies and she's frustrated. Even Elijah's like, what's going on here? And he prays and the sun, the sun comes back to life. But in that, in our study, we kind of talked about, we, we remembered that just because God is with us doesn't mean everything's always peachy keen. As a matter of fact, uh, in that study, we talked about Jesus himself said, in this world, you will have trouble. Mm-hmm. You will have trouble. 
And that's just something that I have to keep reminding myself that Jesus walks me through trouble, not out of trouble. That's right. You know, so, but yeah, man, good things were happening. Uh, I, I kind of feel like you want me to talk about the other good things that are happening to a children's ministry. Is that, is that what that smirk is? No, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm just, uh, I'm happy. I do. Okay. Well, I'm happy too. There's a lot of good things. We, uh, if, if you haven't been around, we as a church, as a children's ministry have completely, well, we haven't completely, we have pivoted that we're no longer doing quote unquote children's ministry. We want to focus That's on right. family ministry. And we had a good conversation with the youth ministry this last week mm-hmm. that we're going to pivot together and we are focusing on family ministry. Now, what does that mean? It means that we, um, we're, we're kind of stepping away from the model of you bring us your kids and we are going to make the spiritual, like we're going to help them be spiritual people. It's more like you bring us your kids, but we're going to work with the parents yeah. to raise disciples of Jesus because that's what the Bible teaches. That's what Deuteronomy teaches. Yeah. And I had to check my brain for a second. You're right. Yeah. We're, we're really, we're aligning different avenues of the ministry we yeah. do so that it aids parents so that parents can actually be the lead spiritual voice in the lives of their children. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so tools are helpful and resources are helpful, but we're trying to tie it all together in a way that, that a parent that's part of the life of the church at Valley can really succeed and feel confidence in how they, they disciple their children. And so it's really exciting right now. It is exciting. And one thing I'm very excited about is that at the time of this recording tomorrow night will be our first official, (coughs) sorry, family Friday. And this is more than just childcare. We did this with, with, a, with a twofold goal. Number one is to give parents time for themselves. Uh, if, they're, if they're married and they, they, need, they, they need a date night, go ahead and have a date night. But even if you're like a single parent, I mean, you just need a moment to yourself. We're offering essentially free childcare for you to just have a couple hours, a couple hours to yourself. But on the other end of that, we are intentionally building relationships with these kids. So the idea now is that like if you have like a, a seven-year-old, who is hanging out with us and we have good adult leadership hanging out with your kid that in five years now when they're 13 and they're just really bucking against the, you know, the rules of the, yeah. of the house. When they need, need another voice when in their life. When they need another voice, yeah. By then they will have established a relationship with a, with a, uh, with a, a strong adult leader in the church. Believer. Believer. Christian, yeah. part of the church, man. Yeah, part of the church. They've been vetted, they, you know, we, and we're walking with them that a parent can rest assured that when they go to seek advice and they connect with this other adult, th- this adult is going to always point them back to the Lord. Because I, I've seen it all the time in youth ministry, right? And, and oftentimes youth ministry, the youth pastor is that guy. Mm-hmm. But what if, what if we can multiply that and we can yeah. bring on more adults that will speak into the lives of different children and just really aid families in that capacity? You know what, dude? You, you had me at childcare. <laughs> we're going to be the, the family that drops our kids off early and comes and picks them up late. That's just, just so you know, okay, so <laughs> just for, as a, as a, as a non parent, I was going to ask you, is two hours enough for a date night? Oh I, I, man. I don't know if two hours, so we were, the event goes from six to eight. And I was like, is that enough time? I feel like that'd be like a movie. No, you can't get a movie in by the time you drop the kids off and have to come back to get them. Yeah. Okay. So you're not watching a movie. You're going, we'll we'll probably go get some dinner. Okay. Right. That's about, you know, get some dinner and maybe take a walk or something like that. So here's my, here's my tension with that. It was like two hours seems reasonable. Three hours I think would be a good for like a date night, but I don't know if we can handle three hours. Yeah. No, it's good, dude. Two two hours is fine. It's good. We're just joking. All right. Maybe. If you have 
feelings about this and suggestions, write in. I'd love to hear whether or not we're giving you enough time or not. We might not change it, but I'd love to hear your arguments. So anyway, that's 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 been my world for the last few weeks. Uh, but yeah, things are good, man. So, yeah, should we uh, should we jump into today's topic? Yeah. All right. Let's talk about evangelism. Yeah. So this is uh, this is the next mark. This is the fifth mark. And if you follow it along, the marks, especially up to this point, they really build on each other. Right. And so they're 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 not like here's one mark and it's disconnected from the previous ones they build. And and so that starts with this expository preaching. So the word of God is what guides us and and what leads us and faithful, faithfully preaching the text. That's right. Is is kind of the, the baseline or the starting point. And then that builds into a biblical theology, which is where you understand as much of scripture in its context as possible within the whole of scripture. And so we're not just saying, Hey, we're picking a, a, a verse from over here. And this is what we build our understanding on, but it's how does that verse fit in within the book, within its Testament, within the entirety of scripture. So biblical theology, and then that builds toward, okay, well, but where does biblical theology lead us? It leads us to a proper understanding of the gospel, which then leads us to mark number four, which is a, a clear understanding of conversion, like the need to be regenerate. Um, and actually, we talked about this in, in my life group this last week because someone asked, what is um, born again membership? And this is the idea that church is not a club. It's not a, a activity. Church is this, this entity, this organization created by Jesus Christ that exists built by the, or built, composed of those who have trusted in Christ as Savior. They, they've been reborn, right? So then, okay, mark number five is evangelism. That, that's where we're at today. All right. And I'm excited to talk about that. Oftentimes, when I think of the word evangelism, I think back to when I first started walking with Jesus, and I think of like TV preachers, right? Some guys getting up on a huge stage and people just... Words are being said and people by the multitudes are just coming up and, and accepting the Lord. I think of Billy Graham. I think of those things. I also think of, uh, growing up, my church was really big on door to door evangelism, right? Kicking in the doors, telling people to repent or, you know, turn or burn and, and those kinds of things. Super fun times, you know, classic Christian stuff. But, uh, I think the word evangelism can be very, very intimidating, so, Mike, would you kind of define or maybe explain what is evangelism? Yeah. So evangelism, it's, it's built off of the word gospel, right? The word of gospel, the word evangel, this is the good news. Okay. And so evangelism then is, is quite simply, it's, it's sharing the good news. It's living in a way and using your words in such a way that people understand and hopefully they're drawn to the good news that Jesus came to save sinners through his death and resurrection. Right. So that's, that's what evangelism is. And you, you, you have some thoughts about what evangelism is not right. Yeah. And so these, you know, uh, man, God bless the televangelist and all that stuff, I guess. But at the end of the day, uh, evangelism is not a big rally where someone makes uh, an emotional movement toward the stage. Yeah. Um, because we, we've seen people do that mm-hmm. and then recognize it and not take a root. Yeah. You know, youth groups are camp is a big thing for that, right? Sometimes you get kids who are gone for a week and all they've been hearing is Jesus. One kid comes, to, he walks up to the stage, accepts Jesus. And all of a sudden it's like, it's herd mentality. 
and everyone goes up there and you think that's evangelism. Yeah. And it might not be. Maybe maybe some people would genuinely come to know the Lord in that. Yeah. But it's also very possible that some people are just like, oh man, I want this attention too. Yeah. And they go up and stuff. Sorry. Yeah. So it can be, it's not manipulating people. Yeah. Right. It's not this forceful thing. It's actually not, uh, I mean, Mark Dever in the book, he talks about it's not results. Mm-hmm. So evangelism is not people are coming to faith. Evangelism is sharing of the gospel, the faithful, loving sharing of the gospel. It's not built on, you know, these are my results, right? Mm -hmm. Um, He talks about evangelism. It's not social action that might evangelism might be built or that may be part of it, but it's not, I just do good works. It's, it's something more than that. It's something more than just sharing your story, your testimony. It's not even just apologetics. It's, it's this getting to the, the core, the kernel, the truth, Jesus's death and resurrection. It's sharing that. Yeah. And then calling people to faith and repentance. So I love what you said, especially evangelism is not results because I think a lot of people are scared of failure. And so when we think of sharing our faith, we automatically assume, or maybe there's like this part uh, this expectation inside of us that thinks that if I share the gospel, then evangelism is them accepting it right there and then. And then I, you know, and, and maybe they could lead to the baptism and all these other things. And if that doesn't happen, then I failed. Right. That's the kind of the common misnomer to that. Right. Yep. If I'm hearing you correctly, evangelism isn't them coming to saving faith. At least on our part, it's just faithfully sharing the story. Yeah. And so, that's it. So let's build on that, that word fail. Right. Because yeah. evangelism, success in evangelism is lovingly, faithfully sharing. Right. If you lovingly and faithfully share and they say, no, I don't want Jesus, you have been a success. If you lovingly and faithfully share and they say, yes, I do want Jesus, you've been a success. Your success is measured on whether or not you're doing your part because you can't change their heart. Right. And that's that's the mark that we talked about prior to this regeneration. That's not us. It's the work of the Holy Spirit that regenerates and converts someone. Yep. So, and so right now evangelism, if I'm hearing you correctly, it's our part is just to simply share. Yeah. Yeah. So why do you think people don't evangelize? I think there's a couple reasons. Or why I, don't you? I mean, at times, I mean, there's times when I don't. So okay. what, yeah, what keeps us from. So what keeps me from evangelizing? Uh, I think if I go back to my early, early days of being a Christian, I think there was that first, that misconception of what evangelism is. I thought that I had to, if I had to share the gospel, they had to accept it right there and then. And they needed to, and if they didn't, I would, I would fail. Mm-hmm. So I, I hate failure. So I didn't want to do that. I think these progressing then is I didn't know how to evangelize. I guess I didn't know yep. how to, um, articulate the gospel story. I think a lot of times when we become Christians that we, we know the gospel in the sense like we reacted to it, but sometimes we don't have the words or the tools yep. to articulate it clearly to, to others. And then once I learned some tools, because right, classic Southern Baptist tools was the uh, the faith outline, and that's a, that's a pretty good outline. Right? Learning it's it. one way to do it, right? right. There's like, multiple and, ways to do it, right? And that's like you know things like the ABCs. Like there's these these processes that we walk through scripture to show someone you know the story of Jesus. Other ones are like the Romans Road mm-hmm. to salvation. Four spiritual laws, the gospel acronym. Yeah, yeah. So once I learned those, I think what then I turned into was a, uh, I think we used this word prior to recording, but I, I became a relentless evangelizer, right? Where I thought that 
I needed to learn the gospel, but then I also needed to learn apologetics so that I could argue someone yeah. into saving faith. And that yielded really bad results that, that I burnt bridges. Um, so because of that, I got really gun shy from sharing. Cause I was like, Oh, I hate, I hate arguing with people and I'm becoming this thing. I need to, I need to ease back into it. So then I started going into relational stuff where I was like, maybe, maybe if I just live really well and I live really differently, people will start to ask me about what's different about me. And I'll try to invest in their life more and I'll just, I'll just wait and wait and wait for an opportunity to share Jesus. But when I did that, uh, the truth is we live, it's, a, it's this interesting juxtaposition in our culture where there are people who are just lawless, but then there are people who are highly moral. Mm-hmm. Like I've ran into this situation where like you can be very moral absolutely, without Jesus. And if you think religion is about being moral, then you'll never ask about Jesus. You'll never ask. You'll, you'll look at me and think, oh, I have the same thing you have. And it, it just never comes about. So then I, I'm in a point now where I feel like I have to be intentional where I need, I, I need to, I don't want to push it too hard, but I am always praying for opportunities mm-hmm. and trying to be bold. So I, I pray for the spirits leading to be, to be bold when I need to be, but to ease back when I need to as well. So there, there's this tension. Yeah. So that, I mean, there's a whole thing. It's like, I didn't do it because I didn't, I was scared first. And then the next reason was I, I wasn't, I didn't know how then it was, I, I didn't because I, honestly being a jerk mm-hmm. about it. And then because I was being a jerk about it, I didn't want to, I didn't want to offend someone. So that's why I didn't for the longest time. So yeah. man, that's, that's been my journey yeah. for the I, longest time. I think those, those things that keep us from evangelizing that you shared, those are some of what I thought of, right? Yeah. I think fear is a big one. People fear m- multiple things. They fear failing. Mm-hmm. They fear losing a relationship. They fear being thought of in lesser light because they're bringing up spiritual things. Um, but I think part of that fear really is built off of, you said you didn't know how. Yeah. And I think there's a lack of training and a lack of modeling. Mm-hmm. And, you know, especially if a church is a very much come and see, then the only time that people expect the gospel to be proclaimed is if someone comes in here as a pastor. Right. Versus like training and then modeling in, in personal evangelism, relational evangelism, where you have someone in your life that says, Hey, come, let me show you how I do this. Right. Yep. And, and people get to see it's, it's not forceful. It's not pushy. It's open conversations. And those conversations, Mm -hmm. if you know how to ask good questions, they, they come really, they can come really naturally with God's spirit helping. right? Right. And so I think that those are, I think training is a huge part. Um, I think sometimes we, also as the church, we forget that there are lost people. And 100%, so, so yeah. we don't, we don't, and because of that, I don't think it's because we're hard hearted, but then we end up not caring for them. Right. If we, if we live in a circle where our friends are all Christian mm-hmm. and we, you know, we go to work and we do our time there, but we're not building relationships there and we forget about the, the souls and the eternity, eternal destiny of those folks. Right. We just forget. And so it, it, it slides down the priority list further and further until we just don't even think about it. Yeah, you're right. And so at the end of the day, we're actually, we're not loving people because we're, we're not caring about their soul. We might be nice to them, but we, we're nice to them as they're kind of on a ship sail to hell. Yeah, I think that kind of points out the, the tension between being inward focused and outward focused. Like right now, I, I think about all these cool things that we're launching for the families of our church. And it could be, 
we could sit here and look at like, man, we do this consistently. Look at how many lives we're impacting. Look at how many families within our church are growing and we're doing all these things. And we could sit here and be really excited about it and feel like we're doing something. And we are. But we forget that there are other families that need to be reached as well. There are ch- people within the church that need to that need Jesus because we constantly are growing in the gospel. But we also need to turn back out and remember there are people who don't have Jesus even to begin with. Mm-hmm. And we need to be looking out there and remembering that they, they still need Jesus. So this gets to the why we evangelize. And when, yeah. when I think about why, I go to a text in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, okay. verse 11. Paul's writing, he says, Therefore... Knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others, right? He says, uh, and then you scroll down a little bit. We don't got to get into all of it, but then he gets to verse 13. He says, uh, if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. And if we are in our right mind, it is for you. He's talking about when we're sharing the gospel, if we seem kind of crazy, it's because we're so focused on God. And then if we're presenting in a rational, clear way, it's because we're, we're trying to convince someone. Verse 14, he says this, for the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all. Therefore all have died and he died for all that those who might live no longer live for themselves, but for him who is for their sake, who has for their sake died and raised was raised. And I think the reason why my mind loves this passage so much is it talks about the beginning, knowing this fear of the Lord, we persuade others. And then verse 13 uh, or 14, for the love of Christ controls us. Here's why we evangelize. Here's why we share the gospel because of the fear of God, recognizing he is a holy and just God. And then secondly, because this holy and just God has love for others and that love, it actually, actually controls us. It moves us. One version says compels us. This love of Christ compels us, what? To share the gospel, to, to share the good news, to, to evangelize. Yeah. That, the idea of compulsion, I think, it, that rings true for me, 100%. I think about in discipleship, as we learn to follow Jesus and my faith gets stronger, I think about the peace, the joy, the strength, even in the midst of sorrow and persecutions or, or hardships, and how much that anchors me, and I love it. And then when I meet people who don't have that, I, 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 my heart breaks. I'm like, oh man, I can tell that you don't have what I have. I've been where you're at, and there's more to it. You, you need this. It's like the idea that if you, if you were fighting cancer, and you had the cure, and you ran into someone who, did it, who had cancer as well, and they didn't know where to go, you would want to share it with him. And so I think that the idea of compulsion, I think really illuminates the the why of evangelism. Cause it's not like, it's not the idea of like we want to grow our church so that we can be a mega church or like that's, that's really superficial. What we want is man, if we have hope, if we have the joys of knowing Christ, why wouldn't you want to share that with people that you, you know, there are people in my family right now that I watch as they like, you know, we're talking about earlier, like as they, as they struggle, I think about my, what I have and I see what they're going through. And I'm like, man, when I went through this, this is what I had. And I want that for you. Let me tell you about how Jesus can answer these needs in your life. And it's not, see, and that's, and I think that's why we frame the idea of just sharing. Cause it's not, Oh man, I gave you this option to, to have this and now you've rejected it. And now I'm a failure. It's like, no, I just need you to make sure that this is here for you. 
here's an option for you. And if you choose that, I want to do everything I can to make sure that you know that there is this option. And that's what evangelism is. Yeah. Right. And Mark Dever talks about doing it with urgency. Right. And, and this is that like it, it being compelled means there's an urgency. We're not like, Hey, one day, maybe sort of, hopefully kind of we'll have a conversation. It's actually like, this is, this is baked into who we are as believers. We, we yeah. are looking for those opportunities. You know, the way I've, I've been trained and the way I train people is, is you, you should be praying daily for people who don't know that know Christ. Right. And then you should be actively pursuing the, those conversations, those spiritual conversations. And it does not have to be like, Hey, are, are you going to heaven or not? Right. But, but I love to ask questions. This is what builds curiosity in people. You ask questions. Hey, are you interested in spiritual things or what are you beliefs about beliefs about God or, or what, who, who do you think Jesus is? And what do you think about what Jesus has claimed to have done for us? Yeah. You know, so here, here's a good way to pivot. This just happened. This just happened this week. Uh, I was having a conversation who was having a conflict with another person within our city. And in our conversation, they asked, you know, how should I resolve this, this conflict? And conflict is everywhere. As, as a matter of fact, I can think of, I've had this conversation actually three times in the last two weeks. But as, as they were describing how they wanted to share truth, how they wanted to, you know, call this person out and tell them. And they said like, well, should I, should I just let them go and, and not speak my mind, all these things. I'm like, well, you know, the Bible says in Proverbs, was it 27, five better is open rebuke than hidden love. So I I think sharing truth is always going to be a good thing. Now, how you do that is very different. Well, then I brought the Bible into this and they weren't offended by it. We're in this weird culture where everyone wants to share these little nuggets of wisdom like these, this bumper sticker mentality all over Facebook. But now I've brought the Bible into it. And we just started talking more about that. And then I, I brought in Christ. Just brought in like, you know, Jesus wants us to stand for truth. And we, we want to, but we graciously do that. It's kind of like what we, it's, it's what the gospel is all about. You know, we, we are sinners, but instead of beating us over the head, the Lord lovingly shows us where we're wrong, but then walks us to repentance and grace. You know, and then we just... The conversation evolved from there. And now we're talking about the gospel. Absolutely. Right. And he's laying it out and just trying to encourage and encourage my friend that he, he needs grace just like anybody else. Yeah. You know, now we're talking about that. And so I don't know, that's, that seems like a lot more natural of a conversation than me being like, Hey, if you die today, where are you going? Yeah. You know, (laughs) And I use that question occasionally in the right circumstance. If I'm having a conversation with someone like I don't mind using that question because I think that that brings a sobering reality to where we're at. Yeah. I'm not saying that we don't use that conversation. I just, you don't lead with that necessarily. Right. There's tools. Yeah. And and so one of those tools is think about where people are, especially in our relational evangelism. Right. Because we want to be relational. We also want to share every time we have the opportunity. Right. And so especially you talked about weird culture. Well, our culture is postmodern. Mm-hmm. Our culture is sure. relativistic in the way it thinks. It it does not see a, a an absolute truth as being a, a obje- objective reality. Yet it is because God has God is truth, and He's the one that created truth. And this, so in that, if we're going to approach people where they are, I really love the tool of the, the five thresholds. Yeah, of uh, interaction with okay. someone who is postmodern because they talk about this is I, I just your conversation with your friend really 
resonates with me because it says the very first threshold for a non-believer to cross is they have to trust a Christian. Yes. Your friend trusted you enough to let you in on, here's what's going on in my life, right? And you were a Christian. They know they're going to get something Christ-centered from you. They're, yes. They know that you're not going to skirt around the objective reality in, in the absolute truth that you trust in, right? Mm-hmm. So they trust a Christian. And then in that, you don't just say, I'm a Christian and I'm a good person. I do good stuff. You actually, you're bold with your faith. You look for those opportunities to have those conversations, which in that you ask them questions that creates opportunities for the second threshold, which is that they, they, they have a curiosity about faith in Jesus. All right. So you, you talk about Proverbs. That's wisdom. It is. Yeah. And that makes them think, well, maybe there's, maybe there's an angle that I really have not considered. Yeah. And they, they, they begin to be curious okay, well, maybe I should look more into the scripture and maybe I should ask some more questions. And so then the next threshold is they're open to change. So this is them saying, okay, what would it look like for me to actually start to to believe the wisdom that I'm hearing and believe the gospel? And what would it look like for me to imagine my life being different because I'm following Jesus? Then fourth threshold is, is they begin seeking after God. And then the fifth one is, is they cross that threshold of, they trust in Jesus as savior. Right. And I, I don't know. I think it's a pretty cool story with your friend because you just took an opportunity conflict and because of who you are, you're trustworthy. You've got this friend somewhere on this path. And that's going back to the idea of what evangelism is. And those thresholds are very important because I guess there are two things. Evangelism was, I just shared it. And I got to share the gospel and how I just see the world. Cause I, I think as Christians, we should have a gospel perspective on everything. And we got to lay that out and he didn't accept Jesus. He's a non-believer still, but he's, it's there. The seeds are planted and we'll return to these conversations every now and then. And I think that's important cause that's, that's evangelism, right? That's not just because he didn't accept Jesus. didn't mean I, I failed or something or anything like that. Number two, the, the thresholds that you're talking about, there's a long line of, being relational, but in, and still intentional because there's a lot of people who go under that mantra of, you know, like preach the gospel and if necessary, use words. And I love it because I think Ed Stetzer just wrote a blog saying preach the gospel and because it's necess- necessary, use words. Like we can't just sit around and just hope that people are going to ask us about Jesus. Yeah. Cause they're not going to. We, we live in a postmodern world. You're right. Yep. And so what they will assume is that, yeah, Jesus is cool. I'll, I'll take whatever wisdom from him, but they won't hear the truth over yeah. and over. They just pick and choose little slices of, yeah. of, of wisdom. And they're so. very comfortable letting you live for your Jesus and them living for their whatever. Yeah. Right. And so that, that's, that's the world. That's the air we breathe. And so asking those questions and then, and I think you do a good job of this, listening like being interested in people and, and what they're sharing and, and recognizing sharing the faith is not just, let me just info dump on you. Right. Let me just tell you everything you need to know. Cause I've got it all figured out. It's let me ask you questions. Let me help you process. Let me help you think. Let me help you ex- consider. And that's, that's the kind of evangelism that, right. you know, I think by and large the people respond to because you're so. respecting them. Yeah. You're not just coming off as well, I got it all figured out. And so speaking of respect, I really do feel now, now that I've come through this, if you're studying the Bible 
and theology so that you can win arguments, you're going about this wrong. You're it's you need to study and show yourself approved 100%. But we never argue anyone into submission. Like that's never worked for me. I've won many arguments, but I've lost just as many relationships because of that. I think you're talking about the difference between trying to argue someone into faith and yeah. trying to reason with someone right. based on logic mm-hmm. and, and answer their questions in a, in a respectful way, right? Yeah. Yeah. Arguing says, I'm going to crush you mentally, mm-hmm. intellectually, versus logic and, and reason says, hey, I understand where you're coming from. Let's talk about this. Let's look at this from all angles. Let me let me have you something, give you something to consider, mm-hmm. not forcing them to believe, but let me give you something to consider. Yeah, and that's a good attitude to have about it. And I think, I just, it just hit me when you were saying this, when we spend our time studying so that we can win arguments, what we're doing is we're placing our faith and our hope in our knowledge, not in the working of the Holy Spirit. Mm. And that's, that's what we want is we want, because only the, only the workings of the spirit last forever. And that's what we're looking for. So we just, need, we just need to trust God as we plant seeds and as they, as we reap and sow on all these, you know, spiritual paradigms and things that we say about evangelism. That's what we want. Um, I, I just, I just know I'm convicted about like, I, I love, I love arguing. I, I'm an argumentative person. 100%. You're not. Yeah. I, yeah, I am. <laughs> <laughs> and from an argumentative person to another, like, man, that's just not the way to, to go about it. Mike, as people are listening to this, you know, I, and I, I'm as a, as a coach nowadays, I'm always looking for, uh, small steps that people can, can start to, to practice and to grow into this right now. If you, if, if there's someone listening right now that it's like, man, they're super scared of evangelism. They don't know how or whatever. Well, like what, what's one consistent thing they could be practicing right now? Like the first small step that they could be doing just to. I guess start leaning into that direction yeah. to grow in that. <clears throat> I'm going to give you three actually, because okay. I got three that I think that are all easy thing or small steps that people can do. First is let's just not forget. We've got to be praying for the lost. Yes. Right. That, that prayer is at a, it's declaration of dependence on Christ. Mm-hmm. It, it moves our hearts for them. It, I think the Lord pours his compassion into our hearts when we're praying for the lost. And so I'd say, be praying, be praying for people by name, mm-hmm. be asking God for opportunities to have spiritual conversations. And then step two is I would say, take a risk, ask someone a spiritual question. Literally one of the easiest questions, low hanging fruit, say, what, what, what do you think about spiritual things? Right? Do you, do you, are you a spiritual person? Yeah. I mean, I prefer getting into the name Christ sooner than later, mm-hmm. but start right there and just listen. And maybe even that first conversation, you don't have to say anything besides just get prime the pump. And so ask yeah. some questions to someone. And the third thing I could do is, is, or I, I would suggest doing is if you know someone who shares their faith, if you know someone mature in the faith, just go and ask that person, say, Hey, can you coach me? on how to share my faith. Can we like even just practice having a spiritual conversation or can we go together? Can you model for me how you share your faith? That, that honestly, I think that proves in someone's mind that it can be done yeah. just by seeing it happen in front of their eyes. And so those are the three steps I would take a pray, B take a risk, open your mouth, ask a question and, and see, find a partner, 
someone who can walk with you a little bit. Yeah. I, that's a great word. And man, if you, if you're listening and you just feel that, that inclination, that's the spirit moving in your heart to be like, man, I want to, I want to pick up this mantle. I feel called to this. And hopefully you do. Well, you are. Yeah. You, you are. If flat you're out. a Christian, you are called to this. Yeah. This no argument. Yeah. And the, the first small step, honestly, is, is, is pray, right? And just, let's just do that for a little bit. Because if you do that, I believe that you're going to be led into more things. You're right. Prayer for the lost is pretty foundational. It makes you hyper aware of, of opportunities to share. But yeah, let's just start with praying. Mike, is there, we're coming up on time here. Is there anything else you'd like to share about evangelism? Anything on your heart and your mind? You know, I think I want to pray for our listeners right now. Actually, I was about to ask you, you really? to do that. Yeah, I thought, <laughs> I thought it would be really appropriate to just to, to pray for them yeah. right now. Well, okay, do that. let's do that. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for the, just the, the cool technology we have that we can be having this conversation in this moment and someone can listen to this weeks, months, or years from now. But God, I pray because you know who's listening to this. And God, I pray you'd be moving in their heart, Lord, that you would help them to experience that, that fear of the Lord so that they would persuade others and, and then they would experience that love of Christ and it would, it would compel them to be someone who, who lovingly, acts like Christ, who faithfully opens their mouth, who asks questions, who listens well, and has the, the words to express the gospel, that they might tell someone that Jesus died out of love and rose out of love and in power for them. And God, we, we thank you that you are wor- at work in our lives. You are not expecting us to have it all figured out right now, but you help us take these little steps one by one to become the men and women in Christ that we're called to be. And we pray that Jesus gets all the glory as we consider these things, as we walk in faith, and as ultimately as we, as we share the gospel. We pray in Jesus' name. 